Hello and welcome to another Monster Truck Podcast. This is episode number 13, the most unprofessional professional podcast in the entire world dedicated solely to our love of monster trucks and the monster truck industry and it is sponsored by absolutely no one. Hello Dustin, how have you been? Uh, you know, I've been alright. I've seen a couple of monster truck shows, seen some mud flying around, some various things and stuff uh, since we last did a podcast. It's been... A little bit of a busy time, I guess you could say. I'm good with that. Busy is good, and I think everybody in the industry would agree with me on that. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, you have been all over the place at various shows doing various things, as you so eloquently put it. Uh, last time we had Sean the Duhon on. Don't forget to check that out. And, of course, we'll get the plugs out of the way now. Don't forget to check out all of our social media stuff that will no doubt be on this video, on this page. And uh, you can always hit us up with questions and everything. I actually have some of those, and we'll get to those in a little bit once I pull everything up. But for now, Dustin, take me through what's been going on in the Monster Truck world recently as far as the, the Monster Truck world according to Dustin. What have you been doing? Where have you been shows-wise? And what has been your takeaways from those shows? So I guess the most recent adventures I've been on, one wasn't too far away from home, and it's not quite monster trucks, but close enough. Uh, Dennis Anderson's Muddy Motorsports Park had their annual North versus South uh, last month. It is one of the biggest mega truck events in the country. Uh, very lucky to have that pretty much in the backyard. Uh, a lot of monster truck connections, you know, uh, to the industry. You know, you have some various face, familiar faces from the monster truck industry participating. Uh, we actually had the Emily Oil Exterminator on display as well. Um, unfortunately, J.R. McNeil got called in to perform at another event and didn't get to actually hang out. But it was still cool to see some familiar faces from that end of the world uh, for the first time in a little while. And then you have some different names uh, that people might recognize. A lot of the trucks that were on the... FS1 Championship Series last year in the Mega Truck competitions. We're participating in North versus South this year. Uh, Ryan Anderson's crew chief, John Gordon, was there competing in two different trucks. Uh, his own truck, uh, Blown Money, as well as uh, Armageddon, which was on the FS1 Championship Series as well. Um, great event. It's definitely one that if you have any interest at all in Mega Trucks, it's worth checking out. Um, a lot of fun to be had. It's a long, all-day affair. Plenty of high-flying action. Saw some of the most fun racing I've seen. Monster truck, mega truck, whatever. Uh, some of the most fun racing I've seen in quite a while. Uh, a lot of side-by-side -side finishes. A lot of big air. A lot of excitement. Saw some carnage. Uh, hold on. For... Hold, hold on. You're telling me that that vehicles can finish side by side? Yes. Whoa! Uh, believe it or not, they don't have to drive on opposite ends of the course and fin and run Chicago style. I'm sorry, uh, I'm in that kind of mood today, guys. Just strap on with me here. <laughs> but seriously, that's that's great. And I would add to that and let you continue. I would add to that, even if you've never seen a mega truck before, give it a shot because this is the closest thing to monster trucks when monster trucks aren't there. Plus, you get to see some up and coming, maybe future monster truck drivers. It's a lot of fun to watch. Exactly. Uh, it was a great event. You know, it's always a fun time to be at the Money Motorsports Park. Uh, a lot of familiar faces. Um, it just really was a fantastic event. There was a lot of great racing going down that day. Um, just a ton of fun to do. Uh, unfortunately, the camera gear gets very dirty over the course of the day. Uh, that's, that's one thing I do get spoiled with in shooting monster trucks is that uh, 
typically considerably less mud. Uh, there's not a whole lot of avoiding it when you're shooting the Megas. They definitely have a tendency to hit you. But uh, <laughs> all in all, great time. And then followed that up with a recent trip up to New Jersey for Monster Truck Throwdown. A lot of fun at Bridgeport Speedway. Two back-to-back awesome shows there. Great crowds, too. Uh, it was really cool to see the very first events there be such great successes. Um, Saturday night was a packed house, standing room only, crowd sell out. And then Sunday was, if it wasn't sold out, it was pretty darn close. And really just a fun bunch to be around. Uh, always a good time when you're with the Monster Truck Throwdown crew. Um, definitely, you know, a good family atmosphere there. And then the action on the track was great. Uh, Jim Kohler and that new Avenger are just on point. That truck is fantastic. And just a lot of fun to watch Kohler go out there and send it with that truck. Um, got to see Greg Wichtenbach in the Crustacean for the first time this year. Always enjoy Greg and uh, his Bring humor. me my truck! <clears throat> <laughs> yes, Michael, bring me my truck. Uh, unfortunately for Greg, uh, his weekend did end up with a far too unfamiliar, unfam- uh, unfortunate aspect in that Greg went out, put on a fantastic freestyle on Saturday night. Uh, a plethora of wheelies. A uh, number of slap wheelies, just really a f- fun, awesome Greg run. And if you watch enough Greg, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But unfortunately, Greg has had some motor troubles in the past. They seem to keep creeping up, and Greg lost another motor, threw a rod out the side of the oil pan. Uh, second motor in the month of September. Definitely a rough string of luck for him. But uh, unfortunately, they did have to miss the Sunday afternoon show. Mike Thompson and the uh, Avenger, other Avenger team were just up the road in Englishtown. So Mike Thompson and Corey Rummel came down. Mike's truck uh, was running the wrecking crew body for the weekend. They came in and ran the Sunday show. Um, Jamie Garner and Overboard, uh, his truck was running awesome all weekend long. You can tell Jamie's getting more and more comfortable behind the wheel with that truck and pushing it harder and harder and harder. Um, Some of the biggest air I've ever seen Jamie get in person uh, was really just getting after it, hammering the bus stacks and over the ambulance and everything else that they had out there on the track. Um, Deidre Ballard, uh, Jamie's fiance, she was running in the Miss Overboard body on the old truck, and she did a pretty good job for what she had to work with. Unfortunately, the truck had some power steering issues throughout the weekend that kind of kept creeping up. But when they finally got it straightened away on Sunday afternoon, she really turned in a pretty respectable uh, freestyle run. Uh, you know, for the limited amount of seat time that she's had, she did a good job. It might um, be the first time that somebody has since Bigfoot. There was Bigfoot and then Miss Bigfoot. It might be the first time that somebody's actually gone that route with the name. That's cool. And and a, and a first-class operation. That actually, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn this this little question that we got from some people on Twitter. By the way, follow us. It's, uh, it's the old monster on Twitter. Uh, but I did get a quick question that I think was going to lead you to this answer anyway, so I'm just going to take it for you. Uh, Austin Ashley122 had asked, uh, up-and-coming independent operations and the new drivers that come with them. So, you know, something that, that uh, was to be discussed. I'm going to say, oh, the overboard team, uh, and I imagine that would be what your answer would be anyway. So go, go right ahead, but I'm figuring that's what you were going to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the overboard camp is <clears throat> top, top notch. I mean, from top to bottom, whether you're talking about the personnel or the equipment, um, they are actively working on continuing to improve things. They've got some irons in the fire, some stuff that's coming up for the upcoming season that, 
I think are going to turn some heads. Uh, not anything that can go public with right now, but basically to say that there's some, they're going to be a team to watch here in the very near future. Um, they've definitely made a statement in how well they performed, whether it be with Monster Jam or Monster Truck Throwdown or any of the other independent promotions. You know, they've done fine. They've run great everywhere that they go. The equipment's top notch, um, and you know they just continue to improve each and every show. Um, you know they're definitely somebody to watch out for. The uh, the fact that they're booked everywhere at every type of show, and they they have done well everywhere. There's not been a report of of you know that Overboard's driver was rude to somebody. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's there's never been a report of oh Overboard didn't run much. It it's quite the opposite. They're they're I think a model independent team. You know, of course you you know the Colors have been there forever, and I love the fact that Jim's got some new iron that is out of the fire now. Uh, that's fantastic. But yeah, as far as up and coming, I think Colors already there. Up and coming is definitely a team Garner. Absolutely, um, you know, and they're definitely a team that's focused on the future, and they're a bunch that is very. Um, very focused on taking care of everybody that they work with and treating everybody like family. You know, I've been lucky enough to work alongside with the with the Garners for their website and stuff like that. So they have always treated me like family. Um, and they're a bunch that is really uh, taken to the sport, if you will. They've jumped in 110% fully committed. Um, you can tell they are dedicated to it. They work hard. They play hard. And they are 100% into monster trucks. Um, and you know they're like I said before they're they're into building the future. Um, one of the cool things that happened when we were at, at the Speedway in Bridgeman, Jersey, um, was that we saw John Zimmer Jr., aka Little John, as we know him uh, so affectionately. That's right. Uh, Little John got his first shot at driving. Um, the Garners were very cool enough to basically give him the chance to basically test the just test the truck out and get a couple of practice passes in. Um, Jamie Garner and John Zimmer have been good friends for a long time, and so it was only natural that uh, Little John got his shot to get behind the wheel of a truck for the first time in some real capacity. Little John's moved the trucks around and stuff like that before, but get him in behind the wheel, get him some seat time, and let him actually jump the trucks and get a little bit more going. And oh, sweet notification! Hey, <laughs> <laughs> remember when we said we weren't professional? Prime the most example, unprofessional <laughs> professional podcast in the history of the business, right here, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, to, to your point. If you go back on this YouTube website that you're apparently watching this video or listening to this podcast in the background of your shop or whatever on, about six or seven years ago, there's a video on here from Elko, Minnesota. John Zimmer is in Amsoil Shock Therapy. You can actually hear a little John in the background talking to me about the show as I film it. He has grown up. He is ready to go. And I hope that he gets a shot sooner rather than later. And I hope that uh, that it's the way that he wants it to be. When you're young in the industry... Uh, you got a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of fire. You know, we saw that with Jeremy Slifko. He was ready to go and backdraft, and uh, I think Zimmer, little Zimmer, that is not as little, will uh, will be the same way once he gets a chance. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he looked very consistent behind the wheel in just a little bit of time that he did he did get to drive, and you know, he's been around it. He's been immersed in this industry for so long. I mean, you know, the Zimmer camp as well as I know, and you've done far more shows with them than I have. Um, you know, little John has been there, you know, used to go on the road with his dad every summer, you know, for as long as he can remember and has been fully immersed into it for so long. He knows what the trucks are doing. He knows what looks right, what's not. And, 
So I have nothing but confidence that Lil John can come in and do a great job behind the wheel. So very cool to see our our buddy, you know, get a shot. And you know, they're also building the future. Uh, you know, even through the family, Zach, uh, aka Mini Wizard. Yep. What up, Mini Wizard? Um, Zach Garner got to you know pilot the truck as well over the summer. You know, they're they're a good bunch. They definitely like to reward those that are willing to put in the hard work um, and the dedication to keep their operation running and so they're building the future they're you know just doing awesome things um you know just a top-notch group well uh that actually you're talking about building stuff and that that leads to the second question of three here brandon behan one b-e-h-a-n one uh asked and we can i guess answer this separately uh what combination of parts or components would make up your dream truck like what chassis shocks engine axles tires etc uh, I'll, I'll uh, I will say that the closest thing to a perfect monster truck that I have seen and that is universally like I don't think anybody would turn down a chance to hop in this thing is son of a digger I think that that thing set the standard and it's been out for a few years now, and man, that thing's—it's damn near indestructible, man. Like I, I have not seen very, very many freestyle runs, and and you can chalk this up to Ryan's drive, great driving, and his crew chief. Uh, but you can also chalk it up to a stout piece of equipment, great chassis, uh, great shock setup, got everything exactly how he wanted it. But also, just watching that truck, man, it is beautiful. It takes a beating and just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. The other thing that interests me, maybe that the only thing that I would change was when uh, maybe Dennis Anderson was experimenting years ago with the 3-inch uh, the triple bypass shocks. And I thought those were interesting. And I also thought when he went back to the coilovers, that was an interesting concept as well, especially for racing. Uh, the coilover combination, you know, that was something that Adam messed around with for a little while, and uh, CVH actually used for a while as well, and uh, those did really well too. So, uh, that that would be my basically my dream truck. Uh, I wish it was more exciting, and I took this from this and this from this. But I think once you start robbing parts off of too many different setups, you just get a, a jack of many trades and a master of none. I think I think son of a digger is about as good as it gets. Yeah, I mean, that's become kind of the de facto standard, if you will, for, you know, the up-and-coming trucks. Uh, you look back and see kind of some of the evolution that's taken place over, I guess, probably roughly the last 15 years or so. You see trucks moving away from, you know, a certain design and a certain setup and more and more a lot like what you saw come from what started with, Gravedigger 19 and Gravedigger 20 and Adam's, you know, t second task truck, which eventually became the legend. Um, yeah. You know, those few trucks kind of set the new standard, if you will. They worked so great. Um, granted, they had their own little bugs or whatever to work out with when they first debuted. But for the most part, though, you see just little subtle changes here and there that have continued to come in. Um, and what you see with how Ryan's current truck performs, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those standards, if you will, for, I guess, the current type of show that takes place is ideally, you know, one of your top pieces out there. Um, you know, and you look at maybe on the independent side for some other trucks that kind of fit more of that mold. Um, you know, when we had Sean Duhon on 
the last podcast. He was very complimentary of Mikey Vodders' uh, overkill evolution. And, yeah. uh, you know, the man behind that, you know, Marty Garza. Marty's been kind of one of those quiet innovators in the sport that doesn't really get a whole lot of notice unless you're, you know, happen to be one of the super dorks of the world that, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe monster trucks like we have. But Shouts to Paul know. Cohen. Shouts to Marty Garza. Shouts to Dan Bright. Shouts to all those guys that build and weld and bend and move and make the sport that much better. Yeah. I mean, you look at how when Overkill Evolution is on 110%, that is one of the best working pieces out there as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the more exciting trucks to watch. I don't know if it's entirely, you know, Mikey's driving style or, you know, whatever he brings to the table, but there is a magical combination there between Mikey's driving and how that truck works. And when they are really hitting on all cylinders and in perfect unison, it's it's exciting to watch. And they do something that, you know, some other drivers can't really do. The way that that truck soaks up some bounces and handles some stuff is different, really, than I can identify with in anybody else's trucks. Um and, you know, a lot of how Mikey drives, you know, it's kind of a different style, I think, than a lot of other drivers bring. I think his style may be more like, say, a Damon Bradshaw than a Ryan Anderson or an Adam Anderson. Which um, is interesting, too, because they both came from that motocross background. And you can't, can't have a direct translation. I think sometimes that's a little overstated when people talk about it. But, you know, you're probably, they're probably both used to a bit of throttle rhythm a certain way. Uh, a lot of guys that I've heard in the pits say, you know, throttle rhythm is throttle rhythm. If you're on, if you're on stuff with an engine, you eventually get it down and you can figure it out for whatever you're driving. Uh, that makes sense. But you know, having some crossover and some transfer from motocross for both of them is interesting to me. Alex Blackwell had that too. Not a lot of people talk about that. You know, some of the best drivers in the sport have come from motocross. Absolutely, you know, and you see more and more of that kind of continuing to cross over. You know, we've seen some more people, and I imagine we'll continue to see more motocross crossovers, if you will, uh, into the sport of monster trucks. Absolutely, man. Uh, so the other question, final question, if you will, from the Twitter. By the way, you can hit us up, ask us anything, and we'll answer it on the on the pod here. Uh, RJ Darrow, definitely a guy that's always out here supporting everything, so thanks for that, man. Uh, just wants to talk about Gary Porter's career and what he meant to the sport. Also, if any info about next year and remaining shows of 2017, we can definitely wrap uh, wrap that all into one thing because there's some stuff in there that uh, that we want to talk about anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about Gary Porter. We're going to talk about Dennis Anderson and uh, in the future, uh, kind of all in one. Uh, the Monster Jam 2018 season preview uh, went on Facebook Live and a couple other places and. We had a lot of thoughts from that, man. Uh, but first and foremost, man, uh, I've got to say thank you to Gary Porter. Thank you to Dennis Anderson. If it wasn't for those two, I probably wouldn't be nearly as interested in monster trucks and continually following every little bit of their progress. Uh, I, I wanted to do something with you. I'm going to spring this on you live here. But uh, you, you, two things. Number one, you had a great idea for how they should have been able to retire, which I think is fantastic. I think uh, well, it was actually my dad had the idea because he saw Porter and Anderson. And his favorite memory uh, was in Flemington, New Jersey. Porter and Anderson went together in the finals. And Anderson ended up taking the victory over Mr. Consistency, which wasn't always a given back in the day. And it still wouldn't be a given right now. They're two great drivers. But in the outro, they always turn the sound down. And Army Armstrong is talking to... 
Gary Porter in sort of a slow-mo thing as they're fading out into the Diamond P Sports. And you can see Anderson in the background giving Porter no end of crap. And you can hear him mouthing the words, I kicked his ass! <laughs> and that's them in a nutshell, man. Like, it's so awesome that they had such great careers. We'll talk a little more about how things were handled. But I think that they should have, and, and my dad does too, they should have lined up one last time, put the best equipment you could behind them, put them at Hagerstown or West Lever, one of those big, long tracks where they can open things up and just have a throwdown. And I mean a throwdown. I don't mean freestyle. I mean a big, long race and do it. And that's how you go out. Oh, man, that would have been just too awesome for words. Uh, you know, much like you, I grew up being a Gravedigger fan first and foremost and then a Carolina Crusher fan as well. Uh, those were my two favorite trucks growing up as a kid. Um you know, originally being from North Carolina, I always had a soft spot for Carolina Crusher. That was definitely like my number two truck. Yep. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid and I had the micro machines back in the day, you know, the old Tough Tracks micro machines. And no matter how everything played out and whatever little show I was pretending to run when I was five and six years old, guarantee you every time the final round came down to Carolina Crusher. And Gravedigger, you know, those are by far my two favorite trucks. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be able to call both of those men uh, friends of mine now as the years have gone on. Um, I got spoiled with watching Gary Porter a lot in my younger years. Uh, Gary Porter happened to be doing a lot of the shows that were close to home for me for a number of years. So it felt like every other show I went to, I was seeing Gary Porter driving. Um, you know, definitely made some good friends over the years with seeing them, whether it was when Brandon Harrington was with him or Whit Tarleton or, you know, when Cody McCall was turning wrenches on his truck. Uh, I was luckily enough, lucky enough to call those guys all friends. Um, but, you know, that's I the think thing, though. I just jump in real quick. That, that's the thing, though, is at least as far as Porter goes, especially for me. You know, I was at West Lebanon and I never I had never really spoken to Porter before. Uh, but, you know, I was carrying around a little TNT album, and that kind of got around the pits a little bit, and Anderson was there and everything. But, you know, it started raining. And Porter didn't know me from anybody, but he's a friend to you first and foremost. If you've ever known him, I don't hear anybody say anything bad about either one of these men. And Porter's like, yeah, dude, come on up in this trailer. Don't stand out there and get wet. And I'm like, you sure, dude? You know, like, just a good man, much less a driver, much less, you know, just, just a good person. And you want to wish the best for all those people. I hope that he gets to just relax for a while because, man, he's earned it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, an incredible driver that was incredibly underrated, I feel like. Even with his time spent as a gravedigger driver, he flew under the radar because he was doing mostly smaller events everywhere, you know, all across the country. His driving skills may not have taken headlines and gotten the most YouTube clicks or whatever because... Even though he was driving a gravedigger, he was a driver that drove with a lot of finesse and a lot of skill and a lot of precision, um, which, you know, doesn't always lead to the most spectacular moments. Uh, you know, like a Dennis Anderson, who, Lord knows, his crash reel is a mile long. <laughs> Whereas all the years that I saw Gary Porter run, and that's a lot of shows that I saw Gary run, I can really only think of a couple of times that I actually saw him roll over, yeah. um, and you know. He's one of those drivers that, you know, just had mastered the small arena. Um, yeah. He was able to work the truck in a very small, tight space like few others. Uh, the last time I got to see Gary run an arena was in Raleigh a couple years back. Uh, 
when he took over running Carolina Crusher again and was just fantastic all weekend long. It's and, it's great that he did get to go out uh, in in Carolina Crusher. That was that was well done. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that was very cool to see. And you know he, he killed it that whole weekend. You know he was giving Adam Anderson everything he could ask for in terms of competition. Yeah. You know, those two were kind of having their own little dog fight. Yeah. Um, and you know going blow for blow and really just putting you know it was a great little show for what it was. You know inside of a hockey arena for what all you can do there. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch Porter run up and down the road all these years, um, you know, and was never really driving, you know, for the longest time was driving probably the hardest Digger to freestyle because Digger 12 was just, it was a race truck. It was built for a different era. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't built to be wild and crazy. It was not, uh, it, you know, they took everything that they had learned from Grave Digger 7, 8, and 10 and, you know, tried to throw it into a different truck when they built this thing. And, you know, it shows. It was a different type of truck. I mean, it flew different from everything else. It was long. It was built to be a racer. You know, it came from an era when when Penda was the tour to be on, and it was the one that was getting the, the TV attention and everything like that. You know, it was a racing series. Yeah. Whereas not too long after it was built, the sport started to shift, and freestyle started to become a competition more than just an exhibition. And then, you know, as we all know, it's kind of taken the forefront today. But, uh, you know, Porter drove that truck for a very long time and managed to do some stuff with it that, you know, people otherwise didn't think would be really all that possible with it. I mean, for as long as that truck was, Gary could still manage to stand that thing and plant it on the tail more than once. Uh, you know, and then again, just a fantastic driver. You know, you go back and you look at all of the history. I mean, Gary Porter is like a walking history book. Of the dude the used to save money on parts, and this was this is something that that is missing today. Uh, let me insert my two cents and get on my soapbox just really quickly here. But the the impression that he made on on both my father and I, because uh, he was my father's favorite driver, absolutely, and he used to in the Camel days when he was an independent Carolina Crusher. He would heat up soup soup cans, like with with like a freaking lighter or something. I don't remember what it was exactly, but he was heating up soup cans in his hauler, like it looked like with the heat off, to save money to buy parts for his truck. And he went from that to the the premier ride in the industry. Like the journey that this guy has, he should have his own podcast. Forget us. I mean, he could sit there and tell stories for days. I'd oh, love God, to have yes. him on. I'd love to do all that stuff. But man, he went from that to your 1991, you know, Penda champion, and 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 just the journey that that man's been on, and where he's gone, and where he's been, and all that stuff. And and I'll shut up here in a minute. But I'm going to tell you, I would get, ask for your favorite memory of him, and I'm going to give you mine now. Back to back years at the old RCA Dome in Indianapolis, Gravedigger 12, as you said, great race truck. Rolled in and took on maximum destruction with Tom Mintz. And back-to-back years, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Porter spanked Mintz both times. Forced Mintz into mistakes. He's a smart driver. All you had to do in those days was to get Mintz even in the turn. If you got him even in the turn, then chances were he was going to bobble a little bit. He wasn't used to not blowing people out at that point on those St. Louis-style racing courses. Remember when they finished next to each other? And oh, Porter. Mamba? Yeah, Mamber? <laughs> Porter 
absolutely lined up and had the thing, as Anderson would say, on kill for racing. It was such a beautiful thing to see. They went over the first jump, they turned around, they're dead even. That back straightaway, Porter hammered that thing. You could hear the RPMs come up, you could hear the engine fire, and he took home a huge victory. And I gotta argue with you real quickly, I gotta disagree. His racing and his driving led to some spectacular crashes by other drivers trying to beat him because that was when mince barrel rolled the thing trying to push it across the finish line to get the victory and he was not successful all credit and all respect of course to tom mince but he would be the first to tell you porter beat him back-to-back years there and i always wondered why they didn't give him a shot one last year in some arenas uh, outside of some arenas, I should say. They should should have put him in some stadiums, man, because he never really got one final shot at that Vegas track. He never really got a final shot to prove that he was still, you know, the Gary Porter of old. You know, he was out there right there with Adam, as you said. But, you know, I would have liked to see him run down that Vegas track one more time and see if he could hang. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Gary Porter still, you know, especially when it comes to racing, can, you know, still hang with the best of them. I think it's, you know, it's an interesting thing in that, you know, he came from being confined, if you will, to arenas for so long. Because even after Monster Jam stopped doing, uh, letting their trucks go out for independent events, uh, Gary, you know, has been confined to arenas for the most part the rest of his career after that point, which I think pretty much goes back to like 2011. Yeah. and, you know, that's a long time to be stuck running, you know, within the confines of basically hockey arenas. And Porter definitely, you know, became a master at that in that time span. But, you know, the last times that we really got to see him on a big stadium floor, you know, were last summer. You know, he did get the chance to run in Nashville and Foxborough, which Nashville was kind of a tough deal because the truck wasn't quite right when he got there. They did get the truck right for freestyle, and Porter did a pretty awesome freestyle run for first time in forever being on a stadium floor. I think up until that point, one of his last stadium shows was Philly in 2010. Yeah, like, come so on. So that's you know, six years. Give the guy a shot. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong on that. The uh, historians out there could probably correct me for sure on that, but that was the last one that I could remember just off the top of my head. And then uh, the following weekend afterwards, he just took a bad bounce in freestyle and, you know, didn't didn't play out for him. But I would have liked to have seen Gary kind of like see what could have happened. You know, the, the classic what ifs, you know, what what if, you know, Gary had gotten a full first quarter running a stadium circuit? I would like to see where his progression would have come, you know, in terms of racing, because I think, you know, it takes a minute to kind of readjust and readapt to everything, especially with how the truck was probably set up for all those years of being inside of arenas. Um yeah. Yeah. See definitely. if he could have uh, could have adapted and you know see what he could have done with some of these younger younger guys uh, running you know in these stadium racing tracks because I feel like I think we've discussed this before racing is you know it's kind of becoming a lost art because there are so few I think top level racers yep. that uh, you can almost call the racing bracket for the most part. Um, you know, just by looking at the lineup, you have a pretty good idea of who, you know, your final four are going to be. And then after that, you know, it's kind of a toss up as to who's going to win racing. But, um, you know, I feel like a guy, you know, coming from, you know, the older generation, a guy like Gary Porter, who is very competitive in racing and wants to win racing. Uh, he's not just there to go out there and freestyle. Uh, you know, he's somebody that I would have really enjoyed getting to see, you know, get a little bit more time on the stadium circuits and and see what he could have done. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to pull somebody like Gary away from the arenas after he just 
you know, got so good at it, it's hard to justify pulling him away from it because, you know, he was such a reliable driver to have on uh, for those arena shows for all those years. Mr. Consistency equals Mr. Consistency. So final question as we talk about Gary Porter here. Uh, I, I gave you my best memory of him as the RCA Dome shows back-to-back years. What is your favorite memory of Gary Porter? Oh, man. Um, go with a sentimental one, I guess. Um, when I was a very young kid, of course, I, you know, as I said before, you know, Gravedigger and Carolina Crusher fan, one of the very first shows that I ever went to, if not the very first show that I went to, was Hagerstown Speedway, and I believe it was 92. Um Somebody out there can probably fact check it for sure, but I believe it was probably a Sunday afternoon show, final round, Gravedigger, Carolina Crusher, awesome race, a lot of fun. Um, you know, I was on cloud nine at that point because it was my two favorite trucks, and I actually got to see them run in person. And then, you know, many years later, going back to Hagerstown and getting to see Gary Porter run again, um, you know, it was just awesome. Um, so many times I got to see Gary run and put on great shows all over the, all over the East Coast. Um, and then, you know, some of my favorite Gary Porter moments are just kind of just being a fly on the wall and listening to him tell some stories, you know, especially, you know, one of the times that I got to be around him and Gary Wiggins, which those two, you know, telling stories. <laughs> There's some colorful ones in there for sure. Uh, that's He's one of those guys I would love to sit down. I would like to have him... Dennis, Mike Wine, and maybe a couple other characters, and I do mean characters, sit around and just tell stories and just leave a microphone rolling because there is gold. The gold Monster Truck Podcast Unleashed Uncensored Too Hot for TV. I'm down. Yeah, yeah, they would blow our ratings out of the water and be far more entertaining than our stupid selves. But <laughs> Hey, the you most know, unprofessional are... and uncensored underrated podcast of all time. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary Porter is an awesome, awesome driver and awesome person first and foremost. Uh, awesome to see that. I'm starting to sound like Gary Porter as much as I'm saying awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, <laughs> shout out to Leslie Mears. That's one of her favorite things in the world is to hear Gary Porter say awesome. Um, he he, he asked, once asked my dad, hey man, are you going to get any of them action shots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to have that good Gary Porter drawl in there. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Uh, Gary, uh, if for some reason you're listening to our stupid selves, man, uh, thank you for your lifetime of uh, memories that you've given a lot of little kids like us that have turned into monster truck dorks. And uh, I hope that whatever is leading ahead for you in uh, retirement, I hope you get to rest. I hope you get to have a good time. And, uh, you know, I hope they bring you back out to Paxton or somewhere to teach some of these young kids because at the end of the day, I remember Brandon Harrington. I remember Whit Tarleton. I remember the guys that were along for the ride and were the second trucks in your stable. All those guys got to be better drivers because of you, and you've given a lot to the sport. I hope we can give something back to you. Yeah, see, I was sitting there thinking about Porter. <laughs> like, man, that's great. But, yeah, you know, that, that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on Porter, man. If you don't have anything else, then we're going to, uh, we are going to gracefully move along to the other brand-new Gravedigger retiree. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of, uh, I guess, something that, it'd be, that I kind of a lot of people could see coming on the horizon, but weren't nef- it wasn't a certainty in that Dennis Anderson stepping away from the sport after, well, 35 years. Um Definitely a little bit disappointing to see kind of things transpire the way that they did with 
Dennis kind of leaving on a sour note with his injury that took place in Tampa this year. Um, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's the way that things were supposed to go. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of circumstances beyond, you know, control, especially when you're dealing with health after such a major injury that Dennis had this year. Um, but, you know, talk about somebody that has built a, you know, lasting legacy on the sport. I mean, we we're just talking about Porter and all of the contributions that he's made. And then you look at Dennis Anderson. And I mean, it's too many to name. I mean, you talk about, you know, the probably the most recognizable face in our industry. Um, you know, say what you will about in terms of names, whether or not you believe Bigfoot or Gravedigger or whatever, you know, is the most popular name within the sport. But in terms of actual driver names, I had no doubt in my mind saying that Dennis Anderson is the most popular driver the sport's ever seen. Um, and, you know, more or less it the Monster Jam brand was kind of built off of him, you know, going back to the early 2000s and to present day. Dude, um, dude, that, I, to me, I'll just be on 100% honest with you, man. There's no kind of about it. People try to tiptoe around that, and well, it's credit to everybody. And if there wasn't that one crazy guy out there just being ruthlessly aggressive on the track at all times, there wouldn't be freestyle. There wouldn't be Todd LaDuke. No offense to him. There wouldn't be Lindsey Wink. No offense to him. It starts and ends with Dennis Anderson as far as freestyle goes, as far as modern monster trucks go. If you're talking about the innovators, if you're talking about the people that have brought it to what it is today, then it's it starts and ends with him. Well, and you look back at, you know, the early years of the industry and you see how hard that guys like himself and Gary Porter and the others were trying to work just to be able to keep pace with say, you know, the Bigfoots of the world because, you know, they had the bigger sponsor dollars. They had the bigger staff. They actually had some, some, some more normal, I guess you could say kind of motorsports uh, operations. Whereas everybody else was kind of just a good old boy. You know, they didn't have any big money. They didn't have, Ford and McDonald's and Claim and, you know, these other brands pushing them and, you know, providing that very, very awesome uh, financial assistance and just not knocking the Bigfoot guys in any way because they worked hard to get what they got, too, at the time. But, you know, it was a de- it was definitely kind of more of a de- David versus Goliath kind of vibe, if you will. You know, when you got to beat Bigfoot, it was a big deal. And, you know... We've all heard, you know, the the story of, you know, St. Paul in 1988 and Dennis finally gets that win, you know, beat Bigfoot, he beat the Kong brothers, the whole nine yards, as he uh, said. Uh, You know, that was a huge deal. And, you know, Dennis's style and the way that he, you know, drove even back then, you know, was always hard on equipment. But when it paid off, it paid off big. You know, you could always see there was a lot of talent behind the wheel and that willingness to push things further than most other people were willing to go. But, you know, a lot of the times it was just, you know, there wasn't the funding to to keep the equipment under him that he wanted to run as hard and as well as he could capably do. My, uh, my analogy is this. Uh, if you lined up Andy Brass and Rod Litzow and Gary Porter and Dennis Anderson with – the exact same truck, the same equipment. I think that you would have one hell of a race. It would probably be a two, a two to three way tie with a with maybe a truck rolling over, and a, and or just a straight up draw. But I think that Anderson got the most out of his equipment at all times, even when 
he had the best equipment later on in his career. I think he always got the most out of what he had. Oh, absolutely. And you could always count on him to give it his all. I mean, you know, he was definitely one of those guys that was trying to be resourceful and use every little bit of knowledge and uh, every little bit of ingenuity that he had. You know, I've been lucky enough to you know, be around Dennis a good bit over the last couple of years and kind of hear some of the stories of him talking about basically where it all kind of started from for him and, you know, starting out working for Gary Todd's family on the the farm at Curry Tuck Green Company and kind of taking all of his weird little, you know, bits of of knowledge that he had learned from growing up on farms and working on, you know, random equipment that his dad you know, picks up and still does to this day from what I'm, from what Dennis has told me, his dad still randomly ends up with the weirdest and oddest of things for them to tinker on. <laughs> um, you know, Dennis learned a lot of different things and was able to maximize performance out of just random silly things. You know, he was explaining to me one day when we were looking at the, the replica of the original mud truck, um, that, you know, one of the things that made his truck work so much better than, you know, some of the other trucks that were in the area was, you know, how his transfer case was set up and that he knew more about the gearing than anybody else in his area. So he was able to, able to make a lot with a little kind of thing, um, you know, and that's part of the, you know, the classic, you know, take this junk and dig your grave. Um, you know, it's it was Dennis finding ways and working with things that maybe people weren't totally aware of or didn't quite fully understand. And he used that little bit of ingenuity to his advantage and was able to take a junk truck and go out and beat the competition. And when you go and you look back, I mean, a lot of the stuff that was on Gravedigger 2 wasn't the latest and greatest in terms of technology by any means. You know, a lot of the times he was just grasping at straws and using junk parts here and there to just try and keep that thing rolling. He definitely dumped a ton of money into the motor at one point. You know, he got himself an old, sweet old tractor pulling motor um, that was in Digger 2. I want to say it was probably the 89 season, I think it was. That would be the 89 season as Monster Truck Nerd emerges from the corner. It would be the 89 season, and they started off, if I'm not mistaken, in Chicago. There were a couple other events there around that same time, too. And he ended up, that engine ended up not being legal, but at the start, he would pull over the first little hill there and wheelie all the way across the cars and smoke everybody in his path. If the transmission held up to the engine, he was good to go. Well, and you know, it's funny that you you bring up, you know, the transmission and everything being able to hold up. I mean, Dennis is telling me, you know, he's like, that season, I think he said he went through 13 transmissions, which (laughs) is pretty insane. Especially yeah. when you consider, you know, especially the little shoestring budget that he was running on back in the day. He did have a transmission sponsor at that time, but even they were kind of like, all right, Dude, Dennis. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but they, they were, you know, he, he was such a big tractor pulling fan growing up. And, you know, he and his dad would always go to the tractor pulls or his uncle, you know, whoever. They'd go all over to tractor pulls, wherever. And he always loved the big Rodec tractor pulling engines. And he finally, you know, decided, you know, yeah, I'm going to own one of these one day. Um, you know, and it's funny because so this is a little story. I wish Dennis was here to tell it uh, because he tells it way better than me. But he said one of the first times he ever moved the truck with that big motor on it, he was just going to go and feel it out a little bit. He had the truck on transport tires and just gave it a little bit of throttle. He was moving it across the street from where he was living at at the time and put the power so hard to the ground that it 
totally just destroyed the transmission and left his truck stuck sitting out on the middle of the street and transport tires. At that time, he didn't have a he didn't have any equipment that could he could actually drag the truck off the track with, or not off the track but off the road with. And when it broke, it broke all the driveline. You know, it broke the axles too. So the truck was locked up and he couldn't move it. <laughs> so. The, He's blocking up traffic on his, you know, little country road where he was living at the time, and so he had to go down the road and find one of his farmer buddies, <laughs> let him borrow their tractor so he could drag the truck off the road. Um, you know, that truck was putting out some serious horsepower, but, you know, that was one of the ways that he found to try and be able to keep pace with everybody else. He may not have had the best landing truck or the best everything else, but, you know, he was trying to make up for it with his just kamikaze driving style, and... And, you know, having that big motor to kind of give him a horsepower advantage to where, you know, his truck may not have landed the best or, you know, had the best of this and that. But he was willing to put it all on the line and had the motor to kind of keep him able to allow him to keep pace with some of the other trucks in the field. I I love Dennis's driving style. I love that, you know, the story and the background behind it. But what I love most about Dennis is Dennis. And, And if you've been around him, you know what I mean. If you haven't then you probably still know what I mean because the Dennis that you get on TV is the Dennis that you get in the background. Maybe the Dennis in the background may use a couple more colorful words or let you in a little bit more. But honestly, that's the best thing I can say about him is he is a rare, rare person. I've met a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life, millionaires, people that are broke and living on the street, and everything in between. And Dennis is so natural and honest and open about things like it is just incredible to me as a as a person even that's the most impressive thing about Dennis Anderson I was talking earlier about going around the pits as a young monster truck nerd in 2014 or sorry 2004 in West (laughs) Leb and you know I had at this point I had met Dennis several times and he kind of recognized me um but I'll never forget showing him a picture of little me from TNT Motorsports sitting in Gravedigger's tire with a Gravedigger hat and the puff shirt on the whole nine yards, you know. I'm sitting in Gravedigger's tire. I show him, hey, Dennis, you know, I don't want to bug you, but take a look at this. He looks at the picture and right away gets as excited as I was to see him when I was little. That's you? Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. He's thumbing through the pictures, you know, yanks the thing out of my hand, and, and you know, a, a little crowd gathers around, and he's... You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, why is he so excited about this? Like, he's more excited than me. This is incredible, you know. Because he's, if anybody gets all that stuff all the time, it's him. You know, but he's still as excited as the day that he first did it. And he, he's thumbing through, points out Scott Stevens. There's the old crybaby. <laughs> guys start <laughs> cracking up. You know, there's Porter. I'm going to kick his ass tonight. You know, like that kind of stuff. And it's just, he's he's a great, genuine guy. I feel like... If you've seen him on TV, then you know him, and you know how he is. I People that have bad things to say about Dennis just don't understand Dennis. Oh, absolutely. I don't think they really know Dennis Anderson, the person. I think they more or less see, oh, he's been you know the gravedigger guy forever and blah, 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 whatever. Um, you know, but all of the experiences I've had with Dennis have been just overwhelmingly positive. I mean, even... You know, just going to the airport and when I was first kind of getting my feet wet with the travel and, you know, the first quarter grind, if you will, um, you know, I'd 
going to work Houston. It's only my fourth ever event, uh, you know, as an actual employee. And I go to the airport and, you know, I'm kind of walking around and looking for, get to my gate and trying to figure out, all right, well, I'm doing this airport thing again. I'm not really the most experienced flyer in the world. So happened to be somebody recognized me and calls me over. He's like, hey, you. I'm looking around, I'm like, well, that's not very specific. Dennis didn't quite remember my name at the time, but, you know, kind of I realized who's, who it is. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, nods me over. Hey, come on, come sit down, come hang out, you know, and kind of help me out, go through the airport or whatever. You know, he knew he knew who I was, but didn't quite know me all that well at the time and took me under his wing a little bit. And he's like, yeah, this flying thing, I'm still, you know, the biggest fan of it. You know, he's old school and used to fly or driving up and down the road and everything like that. But, you know, he, Took me under his wing, got through the airports, and, you know, kind of kicked back and relaxed, and, you know, we're kind of shooting the breeze, if you will, and getting to know the man a little bit more and more every time that I saw him, and eventually graduated from, from you know, every once in a while, you know, chit-chatting here and there to, uh, to you know, getting to see him more and more regularly, uh, you know, especially when I'd bump into him at the airport and, and hear across from, the, you know, one terminal to the other, and, hey, hippie, you know, so... <laughs> Dennis nicknames people if you guys aren't aware. Uh, yes. <laughs> so he's known around the shop as Big Daddy. That's his. Oh, that's yeah. his nickname. And uh, a, another another quick story because you know that's what we do here is we tell stories and BS. But uh, he he actually was out there and and uh, I was able to interview him uh, him and Adam the night that Adam debuted in Taz in uh, Minneapolis and he was super excited about that. You could see the pride. Uh, you could also see that he wanted to beat him, and it was it was just a joy. He had so many things going on, but he took five minutes to sit with me and Adam and talk, and he always made you feel good about yourself as well, and that was one of the best things about him. You know, always a smile, goes through a ton of stuff, uh, and then again, as I was going through the timing system and the travel stuff, uh, had a show with Dennis, and I believe it was either Tampa or Orlando, one of the Florida shows. Had a, had a taxi driver take me for a full ride and uh, was not able to expense it. The taxi driver gave me a gave me the slip. And uh, I was talking to the front desk about it and who shows up? Dennis. And, you know, how many times has he probably been in a hotel, an airport, a hauler, a whatever, and had to listen to people's BS? I didn't talk to him. I didn't bring it up. I saw him come up. But he heard me talking to this lady, and he he became concerned. Hey, dude, what's wrong, man? What happened? Uh, you know, explain the situation to him, and he didn't have to do that. You know, that's that's Dennis in a nutshell, though. Nice guy, cares about other people, cares what people around him think. That works pretty well when you're a monster truck driver and you want the fans to like you too. And it, you know, don't forget where you came from. Always moving forward, and you know, now he gets to. Uh, chill out a little bit, recover a little more, and uh, hopefully run that mud park and have it be a success for years and years to come. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things, like you just said, you know, don't forget where you came from. And Dennis is certainly one of those people. Uh, you know, he's still very much a people person and loves to just kind of chit-chat and, you know, mingle around. I mean, if you happen to be running around doing some errands with Dennis uh, in Currituck, you know, where, he's, where he lives, you know, everybody in town knows Dennis. And, yep. you know, he is... Not once have I ever seen Dennis be like, I don't want to talk to these people today. I don't want to have to deal with them. You know, he's kind yeah. of, you know, 
he doesn't really see himself as you know quote unquote celebrity if you will and i don't think anybody really does you know in terms of monster truck drivers but you know deals with the kind of you know being a recognizable figure within his community or whatever and he never once gets frustrated with it when somebody wants to come and talk his ear off or anything like that you know he's happy shakes their hand greets them with a smile the whole nine yards always been you know super personable um you know even when you're tra- traveling down the road you know i've seen him you know be a two rows up for me on a flight and just chit-chatting with whoever you know not whether or not they knew who he was or not you know they just chit-chat with him and just be a general good if anybody if anybody deserves to person. sleep on the plane man you've done it too i'm sure put the headphones on and like and everybody everybody around me needs to go away kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, yeah i don't see him doing that either man that make that does not surprise me <laughs> yeah and uh, uh, you know, the, the mud park thing you know he's definitely kind of gotten back to his roots and you know you know kind of recognized that his community needed something fun to do and you know it's also you know given an opportunity for his kids to be able to kind of cut their teeth you know i mean you look at how good of a driver ryan became you know and he spent all of those years in the mud running mud trucks especially at the mud park and really learning you know how to drive and race and you know be a competitor and now we're seeing that come to fruition with his youngest son weston who you know is making a big jump up in terms of a brand new truck with um a lot more horsepower and you know is going to be the the next closest thing for weston being able to pilot a monster truck i mean the Boy, his own new mega truck I, is I, going to be a sweet piece you had better watch out when weston hits the track in a monster truck in a few years because man I, I don't know, man. That I don't ever want to say anybody's going to be better than than what we got. But it, wow, <laughs> that's going to be crazy. And it's all because it's all because of what Dennis started. You know, um, I do I do want to get out there. Uh, we don't shy away from things that that are negative in the industry as well. And I'm going to bring this one up and talk about it. You can chime in however you feel like. Um, but I will say. Uh, the 2018 Monster Jam uh, preview show, if you will, kickoff, season kickoff, uh, it did rub me the wrong way uh, when, and, and you read, relayed this to me, I got a chance to go watch it back, uh, when they announced that Dennis was not going to be returning, I thought they did an okay job of that in Vegas when he kind of made the announcement, hey, look, you know, this is going to be the last World Finals, blah, blah, blah. You know, at that point, he had left the door open to returning and driving some more, not just not necessarily at the World Finals. Uh, but, and the announcement that he made, uh, I don't think it did Dennis justice. I thought it was poorly done. And I think it's really, to me, it's unacceptable to just kind of push somebody aside and not really acknowledge there was no tribute video. I don't think there was much thought put into it, and it's really sad to see that. You know, uh, there are some guys that are no longer with us. Mike Wales was one that had, you know, a Gravedigger street rod. Admired Dennis was one of his co-drivers. You know, guys like that I don't think would have let that stand, and I think it's very disappointing that we came out here and we supported Dennis for years and years and years, and he loved us as much as we loved him. And to have just this little short announcement, no tribute, no respect for him, that was very disappointing. It kind of soured me on the rest of the show because it was just, oh, Dennis is retiring? You know, this guy that we all have jobs because of? 
Oh, that's cool. Let's go to the next tour. And that was it. I couldn't believe it. It was very disappointing. Well, and, you know, to me, and again, this may be us being too close to things, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, you know, the man has such an incredible legacy. Um, you know, the Monster Jam brand was more or less built off of the backs of Dennis Anderson and Tom Mance and some of the other drivers that, you know, came along with them. You know, the building of the brand from where it came from in the very early years of Monster Jam, if you will, and graduating away from the Camel Mud Monster Series and the Monster Wars of the time or whatever and into what Monster Jam is today. You know, so much of that growth took place between, you know, 1999 to the early 2000s. And, you know, the two faces that were the most prominent names, and it was not hard to tell who the who they felt their stars were, were Dennis Anderson and Tom Mintz. Uh, these men have given a lot of their lives to building this brand and kind of making it what it is today. And it's a large part of what uh, has made it to be such the, the global spectacle, if you will. I mean, as we're talking about this right now, you know, Monster Jam is about to be putting on events in China in Australia, uh, which is something that kind of was probably unheard of 15 years ago. Um, you know, these men put in a ton of hours and, you know, a lot of their lives into building this up to what it was today. And it's not necessarily just all off of them, but they were two of the most prominent faces that you saw up until, you know, in the last couple of years or so. And now there's some fresher faces and some new names, if you will, to share the limelight with, but, uh, but yeah, you know, for Dennis, um, this is like, you know, having a, a Richard Petty retiring or a, uh, you know, a, another massive name in terms of motorsports, a John Forrest or somebody, you know, one of the pioneers of a, of the sport, you know, suddenly stepping away or, you know, for a, a stick and ball sport kind of, you know, mentioned a Wayne Gretzky or a Michael Jordan stepping away. You know, these are the most, I mean, we call Dennis Anderson the icon. Um, you know, he is one of the most iconic figures uh, of the sport. And to the way that it was just kind of handled, it just, and maybe there's some more to come in the future um, in terms of it, in terms of acknowledging Dennis's retirement. But um, it, again, it just doesn't, it doesn't quite feel like it was handled the way that maybe I feel like it should have. And again, maybe it's just because we're too close to this stuff. But I, to me, I feel like you can't just sum it up with a little quickie web video and and be done with. You know, you 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 only get so many chances to give back to somebody that has given so much to you, and that goes from the top to the bottom. And that's that's what was disappointing about it to me. It wasn't necessarily that. You know, Dennis. That Dennis Anderson was my favorite driver of all time, even though he is. It was okay. This is this is your chance to actually do something for somebody that did so much for you. And uh, I don't know what the production schedule or timeline or any of that stuff goes like, because I understand sometimes things have to happen last minute. I just hope that that's made right. I hope that there's a chance that you know maybe at the first show of the season everybody has a. A, a little tribute for him or something happens there. They talk about it a little more because I, I think we're in danger of losing some of our history of the sport that is so important if we don't continue to talk about it, if we don't continue to do this stuff. Not that we don't love what's new and what's now because there's a lot of great talent in the sport now that's going to carry on that tradition. 
But if you don't talk about where it came from, if you don't know your history, it, you know, you're doomed to repeat it. History is doomed to repeat itself if you don't know it. Yeah, and, you know, again, acknowledging the history and the legacy of the sport, I think, is something that doesn't get enough done. I mean, I know that my, you and I are both, you know, have been such lifelong fans that we know a lot of things, you know, sit and ring off. Oh, I know who won at this event back in 1990 or whatever. I remember that, you know, I wasn't even old enough to have watched it in person, but I remember exactly what happened. I've watched it, you know, this and that and the other. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, are kind of casual fans today that don't know how things were, you know, just going back, you know, even just going back, you know, 10 years is kind of a, a radically different event. Um, you know, so much has changed. You know, we don't realize it sometimes because, you know, we're immersed into it and the change doesn't, it, it happens over time and you don't really recognize how much things are changing in the moment. But when you go back and you kind of just go and explore, you know, you can go back just a couple of years and see things that are radically different. And then you go back even further and you see how different things are. Um, you know, the legacy that Dennis Anderson has built and really kind of, you know, formed, uh, you know, with his driving style and his, you know, his attitude and how he carried himself and everything like that. I mean, you know, the, the two early 2000s, the mid 2000s and so on, you know, they were built off of the backs of Dennis Anderson and Tom Mance and a few other faces and names that are still around. Um, those guys, you know, put a lot on the line and they have really set the standard for what is to be expected for, you know, Monster Jam and Monster Truck events in general, whether you agree with how things operate over at Monster Jam or not. Um, I think, you know, for the biggest promotion in the sport of Monster Trucks, you know, you kind of have to recognize that one of your biggest names is stepping away a little bit more than that. Um Maybe they have, you know, like we said before, maybe they have plans for some stuff further in the future. Uh, they've kind of left it kind of up in the air as to what Dennis's involvement is going to be moving forward. Um, I think, you know, Dennis definitely needs to be still a face and a name that's involved with the sport by by all means. I mean, um, I, know I enjoy. That, I'll tell you what. When he was the year that he was injured in in Las Vegas, he did commentary at the World Finals, and. That's that's something that I think is a little bit missing, you know. For a while, Mark Schrader was a part of the commentary booth, and they don't always need to have Dennis every time. It was nice that they have some some guest commentators, you know. Morgan Kane gets on there, and Ryan does. Dennis did a really good job, brought a positive vibe to it, and and I think it would be cool if they had Dennis sit with some of the guys and girls of the sport and interview them for segments during the TV shows. I think he would get more out of them than some of the some of the people that have put in there. It's no offense to the people prior, uh, but you know, as a driver talking to a driver, it's different. I think that they do that a lot, like in those ball and stick sports, as you called them. You know, they'll have a player, a former player, interview a current player, and the interviews come out really good. I, I think that could be a lane. He was good on the commentary. He knows the stuff. He has little phrases that are funny and entertaining and fresh, and uh, he roots for the drivers. He was. He was rooting for Lupe Sosa to do well. He wanted those guys to do well. You could see the excitement. Again, like when he pulled that book out of my hand, he's excited about it. He brings a passion that is easily conveyed to the audience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there's anybody that's still very passionate about all this stuff, it's Dennis Anderson. I mean, you can cannot tell you how many times that he and I have just kind of sat back and just 
chit-chatted about a little of this and a little of that and what we would like to see change and how we feel like things should be different or what's good and what's not. And, you know, because, again, he's been immersed in this for so many years. I mean, 35 years is a long time. I mean, it's longer than you and I have been around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he has, you know, been so deeply immersed into this that, you know, it's, it's something that he's going to continue to be involved with, I'm absolutely certain of. Uh, you know, in the future, but I would really love to see Dennis Anderson still be a prominent name and a face. I mean, people love Dennis. I mean, whether, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I've been walking around a pit party and, you know, you're at a show that Gravedigger's at and they hear that, you know, Gravedigger's there, but then they see it's not Dennis Anderson and they're like, oh, it's not the real Gravedigger because it wasn't <laughs> Dennis Anderson. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a running joke amongst some of the digger drivers that they would run, run into each other at banquets or at other shows and say, hey, where's Dennis? You know, and they they love Dennis. You know, it's make it it's not a not a, a knock on him, but you know, they know and they get it. And he's brought along some of the greatest drivers in the sport. And and I'll say this too, I like the fact that some of these younger drivers, you know, Cody Sosier in particular and, and BJ Johnson are starting this little feud, this little friendly rivalry that kinda of like Mintz and Anderson had. That's missing in the sport. You know, Todd LaDuke, same thing. A little brash, a little cocky, a little bit of not like each other, a little bit of when you pull to the line, I'm going to hit this thing extra hard. Not unlike we were talking about with Porter and Mintz, you know, in, in racing in our, at the RCA Dome. That kind of thing, that's still a thing that people want to see. And man, Mintz and Anderson went at it. And that's something that you got to have. You were talking about racing being perhaps, don't want to put words in your mouth, but a little stale. Uh, that kind of stuff will make racing super exciting all of a sudden when two rivals pull to the line. Yeah, when the stakes continue to go up is starting when you start to see things. Like the more genuine rivalries start to come out. I mean, we saw, you know, with the last couple of years of the, the FS1 Championship Series, you know, you start to see, you know, some people, you know, really start to get competitive with it. I mean, you know, Neil Elliott is kind of one of those real calm, laid-back, easygoing guys. But you get him in the truck, and all of a sudden he becomes a competitive animal. And you can see how hard he pushes to try and win, whether it's racing or freestyle. You yep. see what has you know, come out with, with Todd LaDuke kind of rising to the top of the sport within the last few years and how hard he pushes to win every time. Look at what Adam and Ryan Anderson do every time they pull to the line. You know, Those guys push their trucks hard. Um, Look and see, you know, how determined Lindsey Wink was this year to finally win one of those championship series after dominating the first year, you know, the first half of the first year of it and then losing the championship. Um, and then the second year just not having the the best result ever uh, to, you know, year three and everything finally came together. And you can tell, like, he was just – he wanted it. Yeah. Um, you know, that desire to win, you know, kind of that old throwback, if you will, because, you know, not to take anything away from the quality of product that Monster Jam puts together because it is a fantastic product and by far one of the most well put together that we have in this industry uh, and will probably continue to be for some time. But, you know, it definitely does have an air of a show feel more than a competition feel at times. And I think that's something that they're working to regain. And you see this with the championship series and the triple threat series and everything like that. They're kind of get garnering in some of those just genuine competition, you know, rivalries, not necessarily, you know, having people that genu genuinely don't like each other. Cause it, for the most part is kind of a family environment. Um, 
but you know having people that want to beat one another for more than just bragging rights you know yeah. like I, I this guy keeps beating me i want to line up and i want to you know i want to spank him you know i want to prove a point that i you know i'm a good driver and i can you know beat whoever's in the other lane um anderson you know, and porter had that all the time anderson said i'm gonna line him up and i'm gonna nail him to the wall and that's exactly what he wants to do when he goes and drives and that's that style, man, that never goes out of style. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's some of that old school kind of feeling and more of, you know, because, you know, not to take away anything away from uh, from how things have been, but, you know, there's there hasn't been as much focus on the actual com- competition element of things. And I, I like that it's starting to come back around and people are really starting to, develop their own little rivalries and people that they want to beat and you know knock on and you know there's a little bit more of an emphasis to wanting to win um more than just putting on a good show um and i think when you have more everybody focused on trying to compete and trying to win and do their best and not just put on the best show that they can but actually flat out wanting to win you're going to start to see some greatness rise to the top and you're just going to start to see some some things start to develop that maybe wouldn't have in the past now that kind of the the, the desire to win has been cranked up a little bit there's a little bit more incentive if you will to to perform at your highest level and maybe not just take it a little bit easy one night yeah. um you know and I, and I do love that i mean it's something that you know you know we look back to the the raw uh, you know visceral performances that would come from you know the tnts and the pendas of the world where you know people were putting it all on the line to try and win um you know look at you know you brought up rod litzow earlier and you see just how hard rod litzow would push rod litzow was dennis sanderson with a budget yeah it's that simple there are, there are very few drivers like that that will push it past the limit. Litzow and Anderson are there. I mean, you look at you know how Litzow drove that truck and pushed it to the absolute limit, even when it was not the the best shaped truck in the world. Because USA One took some had more than enough tumbles. Uh, you, you don't know, have to remind. You know him. how when you uh, when you do something bad, and everybody can relate to this, you do something bad and you get the full government name. Like somebody's like, you know, for me it's Robert. <laughs> then I know I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. So when Litzow would would uh, would phone in, you know, the report for the evening show to Everett Jasmer, Jasmer would say, uh, you know, after Litzow would tell him that, you know, he may or may not have crashed the truck. Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when your mom throws in the middle name. Yep. You know you screwed up. You know you're about to get your your tail whooped. Yeah. When they throw in that middle name, you That's better right. run for cover. That's Hide. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but getting back to it, man. Um, we shared favorite favorite memories of Porter. Um, there are t- too many memories to count, probably, of uh, Anderson. I've I've been lucky enough to be around him and his sons. Uh, the legacy they've created is is amazing. Um, I'll say this. I, I personally feel like Anderson should have won freestyle at the third world finals. I personally feel like he should have won freestyle at the last world finals he was a part of a couple years ago in freestyle. Uh, he got robbed a couple times, and that's sad because especially that final one, you know, I, I had wondered, okay, if he had won that freestyle, would he have rode off into the sunset? 
Would he have been, you know, that would have been a perfect bookend. I won the first World Finals freestyle that I was at, and I won the last one. And it's a crime that he didn't get a chance to do that. Um, you know, that's unfortunate. But as far as positive, good, Dennis Anderson-style memories, uh, I will say I was able to be in attendance at the uh, fifth World Finals when him and Pablo lined up in the finals and racing, and he had not done well prior to those. But the the atmosphere in the stadium, it's unlike anything I've been to. And I've been to several World Finals. I've crewed on trucks. I've been able to do a lot of great things around monster trucks and just around a lot of large groups of people in general. The atmosphere at World Finals 5, when Anderson crossed the finish line and won, it was like 40,000 people got teary-eyed all at once and, and, and were so happy and... and the energy in that stadium was unlike anything I've ever heard. It's it's 40,000 people wanting something so bad and then getting it and being just so happy, euphoric. And then having Anderson get on the mic and, and thank everybody and knowing from you know the bottom of their heart that, that they loved him, he loved them, he was so relieved and happy, and he deserved it. And that was, that was a crowning thing, I think, in Anderson's career, and it was a as a lifelong gravedigger supporter, it was great to be able to experience that live and and know how much it meant to everybody in the arena. Uh, that's that's definitely my favorite gravedigger and Dennis Anderson moment. Oh yeah, you know, and you know, so many like that's a you know always a top notch moment. I wasn't there to be there in person, but you know, you you see the call as it happened. You know, if you had the DVD and everything like that, and, you know, you can see the raw emotion. You know how much he cared, uh, really wanted that win. Um, you know, and some of my favorite moments have just been kind of just, you know, the little silly moments of hanging around and being around Dennis. Uh, I don't think I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but was last April uh, for the East Rutherford event. It just so happened that myself, Ryan and Dennis all had the same flight. Uh, so we flew up together and then we're going to fly back together. So rather than catching a cab or you know tagging along with anybody else that was going to the airport i knew those guys were on the same flight so i was like well they've got a rental car i asked for i text brian i'm like hey you mind if i ride with you guys in the morning he's like that's ah, no worries dude uh, just meet me downstairs in the lobby at whatever time so sure enough you know like six something in the morning run downstairs to the lobby meet ryan he's like all right i'm gonna go grab the car real quick so we go and grab the car and me being me you know i'm not gonna take the front seat from dennis I mean, come on. <laughs> so we were driving around. To put, you know, I put all my stuff in the back of the car, and I, you know, immediately put myself to the back seat. We pull around front to pick up Dennis up front, and Dennis throws his bag in the trunk, goes sits in the front seat, you know, chit chatting for about a minute or so, and Ryan says something, and I chime in all of a sudden, and Dennis about jumps out of his seat. <laughs> he didn't even realize I was in the car. And turns around, and says, oh hell, hippie! I didn't even know you were back there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I've been very lucky to have spent a good bit of time around Dennis over the last few years, and um, absolutely enjoy every minute of it. I mean, so many. I wish I could remember all the stories that he's told me. Um, you know, it, it's something that I take great joy in every time that I, you know, get to be around him. Um, you know, whether it's been, you know, working monster truck events or being around him at the mud park and kind of seeing, you know, some of the different things that go on there. Um, you can tell he's somebody that's very beloved and very revered in that world as well. Um, you know, 
those guys all you know greatly appreciate everything that he has done to kind of bring light to to making mud racing and the mega truck scene uh continue to grow as it is uh you know always enjoy being around dennis and looking forward to uh many more years of getting to be around him and hang out with him and you know hear some of those classic war stories because i haven't gotten enough out of them just yet i need to I need to hear some more. <laughs> bring bring the Anderson family on the podcast. We could have an Anderson versus Mint showdown. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, you know, uh, just just getting to hear some of that. It's a wealth of knowledge. It's a wealth of happiness. Uh, your day will be better if you go by Dennis. That's that's for sure. So, you know, definitely wishing him. I, I hope he gets to sleep for about three years because he hasn't slept uh, enough in his career. But uh, no, Dennis Dennis has always been a passionate. Uh, vocal, honest, open, and competitive person, and it's been great to be a part of that ride. And uh, I'm hoping that, hey, you know, I'm hoping that they do him justice. If they don't, then know, know Dennis and, and the Anderson family that uh, there are a lot of people that know how much you've meant and how much you will continue to mean to uh, Monster Trucks. Yeah, I mean, the, the Andersons are a top-notch bunch and just a ton of fun to be around always and you know greatly appreciate all their continued contributions absolutely so uh, as we uh we'll try to do a, a little bit of a transition it's tough to do that when we get to uh two legends of the sport but uh, a lot of people have been asking about you know what's going to happen next year and you know hopefully like as we said you know they'll have guys like anderson and porter be involved in some capacity whether it's training the new people or talking about this stuff whatever it may be uh First quarter's coming around, and they did have the 2018 preview. There's a lot of great new stuff going on. There's a new diesel monster truck. There are a ton of storylines headed into first quarter. So I think a lot of this stuff is interesting to me, but you know, you're know, you going to be a little more involved in it. At least I get the feeling. Um, I'm going to be able to go to a few shows at minimum and cover them, but uh, you're going to have a full first quarter ahead of you. So what are you looking forward to as we head into the – Late 2017, early first quarter of 2018 schedule. I'm, you know, I'm interested in seeing, you know, how things continue to change. You know, we're kind of, I feel like, in a, a little bit of a transitional period with how events are being run. Um, you know, we saw, we got a little bit of a taste of that, if you will, uh, with some of the summer events uh, with East Rutherford and Foxborough and Nashville. And I think we're going to continue to kind of see some of these transitions take place with some of the events coming up. Uh, got glendale this coming weekend and indianapolis and houston following uh i'll be in houston for that event and really looking forward to to seeing everybody back in action again Uh, it's been a minute since i've done a stadium show it's been a minute since i've been to houston as well so i'll be looking forward to grabbing my Freebirds world burrito and uh heading over (laughs) to nrg stadium because i do enjoy some good monster trucks and good burritos as you do as well um, and if you don't, you need to get your affairs in order because if you don't enjoy a good burrito and, and, and monster trucks, you might as well turn this podcast off. Um, yeah, like you might say we're monster truck slash burrito enthusiasts or burrito slash monster truck enthusiasts depending on the day. Yes, yes, depending upon the day. Um, I am I, I am looking though. You're talking about some of this, some of this, uh, you know, what's coming up and what's to come. I, I will say Monster Jam did do a nice job with 25 years of Monster Jam, the 25 years of evolution. I see some pictures of Monster Wars and Liquidator and Taurus and Equalizer and Monster Patrol and Predator and Barefoot and Carolina Crusher. This is some pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's nice to be able to recognize the history. Let's just do that with Dennis next time. But this is this is really cool. Uh, I like what I'm seeing here. A little bit of the history needs needs to be represented. 
but some people that have grown up watching those guys now get to be behind the wheel. We were talking about John Zimmer, uh, John Zimmer's son, uh, Chris Kohler, got to test and drive uh, a truck this summer. So it's coming. Uh, but we got some new faces too. Uh, I had Colette in El Toro Loco uh, this past weekend in Dayton. Took an event victory in her very first full event in Monster Jam. Monster Jam University seems to be the, the proving ground, the, the teeth cutting place. Uh, if it's not at the Motorsports Park, it's going to be at Monster Jam University. So we got a lot of new drivers and new trucks coming down the pipe. And uh, that was interesting to see that a, a debut won an event in Dayton. Well, and, you know, and Colette's coming from a motorsports background, from what I understand. You know, she has some experience in global rallycross and drifting and this and that and the other. Um, and from some of the folks that I had talked to that were part of some of the testing out there in Paxton, um, you know, they spoke very highly of her driving ability for sure. Uh, they said, you know, that's going to be one to watch coming in. And uh, so far, you know, I haven't gotten to really see what took what went down, you know, in terms of how the trucks were performing and everything like that. But you look at the lineup that she was competing against, and it wasn't like she was going against, you know, uh, a cream puff field by any means. You've got Pablo Huffaker, who's been around forever and is still a top-notch driver. Um, you had Steve Sims, Brian Wright, uh, Zane Ratu, who's been fantastic on these smaller arena floors and has really continued to get better and better every time he gets behind the wheel of Stinger. Um, and Paul Strong, I mean, that's it's a pretty solid lineup of good running trucks uh, to go up against, and you know, to be able to come in and anytime you could beat Pablo Huffaker in in an arena environment, uh, it's definitely something to you know hold your head up for. Um, so you know, that's something to look forward to seeing her to continue to progress as a driver. You know, you see a few other new names and faces. Um, one that can I'm we, really can we talk in. about an old new face? I'm sorry before before that. Can we talk about an old new face? I was just looking at some lineups here. Uh, at the very end of the Indianapolis, Indiana Lucas Oil Stadium show that's going to happen in a couple of weeks, I see a familiar face, but under the zombie title, Devin Jones. Yeah, you know, there's a uh, there's possibility I see of more and more independent trucks in the very near future, you know, kind of taking on some some more of the Monster Jam branding, if you will. Um, if, if they take on the branding, that's fine. But if I could see Devin in a felled chassis, oh boy, you guys better get back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because, you know, much like we were talking about earlier before with, you know, a Gary Porter and somebody that makes a lot with a little, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, Devin's kind of, you know, a throwback driver. And we've talked about him before, you know, in that he is, you know, kind of the working class hero. You know, he works on a lot of his stuff as himself. He builds most everything himself, um, you know, travels up and down the road by himself. You know, he doesn't usually have crew. Um, you know, he's a hardworking dude and he drives that truck very hard. You know, knowing full and well that, hey, if this thing breaks, it's on me to fix. I don't have a couple of crew guys that I can hand the truck off to and just be able to relax for the next couple of days. No, I got to jump in the rig, drive all the way back home to Miami, Oklahoma, pull it out of the trailer, work on it myself, put it back in the trailer, and drive myself to the next show no matter where it is. Um, but, yeah, if you were able to give Devin kind of that, you know, uh, no holds barred, just go out there and run it kind of opportunity. You gave him a good, you know, a top-notch piece for the weekend. You know, you gave him the, one of the best of the best in terms of the company trucks. I mean, I think Devin could probably turn some heads. It might take him a minute to adapt to a different style truck than what he's driving, but, 
you know, you take the leash off of them, you give them an opportunity and say, hey, you know what, eh, just go out there and do what you do. Run it as hard as you can. You could see some interesting things happen from Devin because he's definitely one of those drivers that's not afraid to put it on the edge. I mean, if you've been to a number of the Monster Truck Throwdown shows over the years, I mean, Devin has put it all on the line. He's a top-notch driver. The equipment doesn't always hold up for him, um, you know, despite his best efforts, and sometimes that's really kind of his biggest downfall. But, you know, he's a driver that, you know, is willing to put it on the edge. He's got, you know, a lot of talent behind the wheel. He's a great racer. I mean, he's even gone head-to-head, toe-to-toe with Dent- or with Tom Menz and beaten him. Um, you know, go back to St. Louis a few years back. He's really a super talented driver. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, the classic what-if. You know, what if that guy got a shot at, you know, just kind of having the financial constraints lifted off of him and you just gave him a truck to run for the weekend. Yeah, I, I would like to see that because... You know what else said, I would Devin's like to see talent. is that is is a makeup tips video with Sean Duhon and Devin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if you'll get I don't know if you'll get Devin in makeup. I feel like that's not his thing. I mean, it, Duhon's a silly enough dude to to kind of play along. I don't I don't know if Devin would be down with taking on the makeup. We'll we'll have to get back to Devin on that one. <laughs> something tells me that Devin and makeup don't go together. <laughs> well, we never know until we try, but. Uh, I'm sorry, you were saying that you were looking forward to something and I completely interrupted you, but I, I just happened to be doing some last-minute research, if you will, and saw that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. If, by all means, you're looking forward to stuff in 2018. What is it? Well, before Robbie had his ADD moment... I apologize. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, one of the new faces that we saw, and it's not necessarily a new face, but Brandon Vinson moving into a gravedigger this year. Uh, yes. That's kind of a interesting move um you know brandon's definitely gotten some solid seat time over the last couple of years with some fill-in work here and there and driving in some of the overseas shows stuff like that and brandon spent a ton of time turning wrenches on wrenches on these trucks i mean all you got to do is know that he was a crew chief for ryan anderson for a number of years that dude has turned some wrenches it's Um, like to me it's like dog years man you you should probably double however many years he's been working on the truck if he worked on ryan's truck (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're working on an Anderson truck, you're turning some hours. An Anderson or a men's truck, there's a special breed. Um, so it'll be really cool to see what Brandon brings to the table. You know, it's a lot of pressure kind of jumping in and running a gravedigger, you know, your first year out. We've seen a number of guys do it, and gals now, uh, in the last couple of years that have jumped in first season and be given the task that, hey, you got to run a gravedigger. And there are expectations that come with that, and it's not easy. Uh, you know, some have, you know, been able to roll with the punches and take it like a champ. I mean, you look at what Colton Eichelberger did his first season behind the wheel, you know, getting thrown into a grave digger and, you know, not only dealing with that, but the expectations of being Tom Ence's stepson. And then you look at what Colvin R did, you know, jumping into the truck. And, you know, again, you know, the only time that really he had was his time spent at Monster Jam University in Paxton and a handful of shows where he had filled in for Adam. And, you know, did a phenomenal job and looked like an absolute natural. Kristen Anderson, you know, uh, having the expectations, hey, you're Dennis's daughter and you're running a gravedigger first year out. Ryan and Adam didn't quite get that luxury. You know, they were putting into some lower profile rides to let them cut their teeth, whereas she got thrown right to the wolves right away. And, you know, she had to adapt quick and it's not the easiest thing in the world. You know, she maybe you know, had to take some bumps and bruises over the course of the year, but she started to get it more and more and more as first quarter progressed on. Uh, You know, that's a name to watch, you know, and continue to see, you know, the growth happen there because she's, 
she's been around this industry a lot in a long time and continues to be immersed more and more into it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the progression there for her. Uh, some other faces that you know I really am interested in following as the as the year precious, goes on. Uh, you know, Camden Murphy is somebody that's shown some bright spots last year during uh, during first quarter on the Triple Threat Central Tour. Um, he's got some real talent there. He's been constantly, and I mean constantly, running in motorsports. Dude doesn't seem like he takes a day off. Every uh, time. If you follow Camden on Instagram, man, he's going and doing truck series and anything, as we were saying earlier, anything with, with an engine. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to be well in practice, and you know that's something that uh, the Wink brothers did for a long time too. Uh, you know they were they were running Canada, uh, some of the some of the cars and stuff like that, racing of all sorts, keeping that keeping that loud pedal warm. Oh, absolutely, and you know, and Camden, whether he's been doing some road racing here and there, or driving in the NASCAR Truck Series, or if he's not driving behind the wheel, he is spotting for somebody or turning wrenches on somebody's equipment or whatever. The dude's just kind of constantly going. He's been a lot of, he's been an interesting character to follow online over the last year or so and kind of see some of his, his exploits because when he first kind of arrived on the scene, I had no idea who he was and everything like that. Now, you know, learning like this dude is a legit motorsports guy. You know, he's not afraid to go in and work for it. Um, yeah. See that he spends a lot of time just completely immersed in, in motorsports and, you know, doing everything he can to kind of stay busy. Um, hey, how about Bryce Kenny? We had him on the pod. Another guy that, hey, finished out that first quarter real strong. Of course, has the motorsports background and the passion for the sport. I think he has a fire to get better. He's into it. He wants to be better every year, and, and that's great. Uh, I did see Bari Musauer's schedule as well, and I was a little little sad to see that he wasn't at some more at some more big shows. But, you know, Bari, keep it going. I want to see some more of that. He, he's been tearing it up wherever he's been. Every year he gets better, and and I see both both of those guys doing very well this year. Yeah, and you know we were talking about you know looking at some of the lineups moving forward, and Bryce Kenny's getting kind of dropped into what I feel like is probably the 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 uh, the, the class of the field, the cream of the crop, if you will, in terms of the uh, the stadium tours coming up. I mean, the lineup for those guys with this tour, which I'm assuming is going to be one of our TV tours um, for 2018. Uh, is fantastic. I mean, you talk about a stacked lineup and you're looking at three of the past FS1 champions uh, going to be on this tour with Todd LeDuc, Adam Anderson, and Neil Elliott. I mean, those three trucks alone, uh, those three drivers alone are, you know, going to sell some tickets, uh, you know, especially to the fans that know what's going on. And that's, that's something you feel like, you know, loading up and, hey, do you really feel like driving this far? Well, those three are there, so there's going to be something interesting happening. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and, and Bryce is getting an opportunity to kind of cut his teeth, and he's going up against some really tough competition this year um, with that tour. And then you look at some of the other names that are on it. You see uh, a guy that I think is continually underrated uh, with his driving skills, Alex Blackwell. He's going to be running Megalodon on that tour this year. And Blackwell is a, a like one of those guys I feel like just never gets the recognition that he deserves. He's a top-notch driver um, that kind of flies under the radar a little bit because he doesn't have an over-the-top personality. He just kind of is who he is. He goes out and he runs the truck and he does his best and lets his driving do the talking. And you know, he may not have all of the big highlight reel moments of you know the Andersons or the Menses of the world, but. 
that dude can flat out drive. There are some He's sneaky little things to anybody. how he drives. Yeah. He pushes anybody in any field at any time, and if anybody slips up, he's right there. And sometimes he's the one that's on top, and they're having to push to try to get to him. And just consistent excellence behind the wheel. It's good to see that he's getting maybe. Uh, I don't want to speak for all the all the other drivers of those trucks, but you know maybe the lead spot uh, for that for that brand or that truck. So that's going to be good to see. Um, you know yeah. he did it. He earned it by going out there and, and doing a really great job and. Vegas in the leadoff spot, you know, that's a tough spot. That's a spot that in past years, you know, uh, when you kind of get that spot and they're they're trusting you with the very first impression of freestyle for some people at a show, and it's a big deal. Uh, I can remember, you know, uh, years ago, Morgan Kane was still dr- still driving for the Stone Crusher team, but he filled in and, and kind of got one of those branding or license deals for a, for a show that he did in El Toro Loco. Morgan hops in El Toro. They put him first out in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. He burns it down. The guys up in the booth are high-fiving. Hey, we picked the right guy. Guess where he's at a few years later? Gravedigger, World Finals freestyle champion. He gets the rocket ship, if you will, and uh, you know gets pushed to the top. Gets, the all, gets all the opportunities. The stars shine the brightest when they're given an opportunity to do so. And, you know, you can see that. That's... That's something that maybe we'll see from Alex this year. Maybe he'll get a chance to really shine out some more, win the tour, get a chance to go to Vegas with some momentum. You know, hey, it's silly season. We get to speculate a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you see some other people kind of getting some opportunities, if you will, to shine. Um, Brianna Mahan, you know, is kind of a a little bit of a surprise in that, you know, she's kind of getting her own identity, if you will, with the all-new Whiplash truck that's kind of more catered to her and her personality. Uh, she's done a really good job over the last couple of seasons running the Scooby-Doo truck and everything else that she's been kind of in and out of. Uh, she was a very solid performer all year on the FS1 East Tour. Uh, somebody that you know was very consistent in racing. Uh, if I remember correctly, she really didn't find herself in the wheelie contest too often. Uh, and you know, there's a few semifinal round appearances here and there. Uh, she's definitely a very consistent driver. You know, and getting better more and more uh, with you know every little bit of seat time that she's getting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with another stadium tour on her belt um, moving forward. See some other you know names that jump out. You know, with this lineup, I mean Jim Kohler at that brand new truck. That's going to be something fun to watch because Kohler's been turning some heads with the new truck this year. You know, obviously the World Finals in Vegas was its massive debut. You know, with Jim doing so well in racing and freestyle continue to do well all summer long at the events that he's been at and that was something we kept asking ourselves all the first quarter last year is like man when is jim gonna have this new truck because not that the old one was holding him back but you know there's some some big differences between how that new truck is built versus how the old truck is and you know it would have made him a little bit more competitive in racing and maybe given him some opportunities that the other truck didn't give him in freestyle and really excited to see what jim can do back on the big stage again and with a brand new piece of equipment uh teammate brad allen's back uh, and brad you know had some ups and downs last year but when the truck was on point and everything was clicking you know he was doing some awesome stuff I mean, you look at his final freestyle the first quarter last year in detroit he was getting after it and going just as hard as everybody else um and uh, one name that is really going to be fun to watch i think this year is matt pagliarulo and jester 
Yeah. Uh, Matt's a guy that really wants to go out there and run hard. And yeah. he knows that, you know, with this opportunity and being given the schedule, he wants to prove himself that, you know, hey, they put me on this for a reason. They're putting me against some of this top-notch talent because they believe in me, and I'm going to have to go out there and prove myself that they yeah, made the right decision. Another guy that had a few opportunities. He was in, I think it was Anaheim or, or uh, one of the California shows and really did well. Got called into pinch hit, if you will, a couple times as well, if I'm not mistaken, and did well. Backflips, wheelies, really good stuff in freestyle. Wowed the crowd, made an impression with, uh, I guess, the higher-ups, whoever you want to want to say but you know when you do well in a couple of pinch hit opportunities a couple of shows that are bigger profile wise stadium wise and you you come in there and do your thing you get noticed and you get a great schedule for the next year this is his shot there's no mistaking about it not that not that he wasn't good before but hey now is the time if you want to make your star they better have a lot of extra parts in the trailer oh and i don't doubt that they will you know matt's definitely one of those guys that shows up and is ready to perform and you know the truck's always in good shape you know they show up and they want to be 110 percent every time you know i spoke with matt not too long ago and he's like you know we're gonna we're gonna go after it you know this first quarter we want to at least you know prove that you know we're we're worth being on this lineup and that we're you know uh worthy of everything uh hey not so just happy to be there home. i like i like hearing that man that fires me up dude like hearing hearing that kind of stuff out of some of these drivers, it's not just I'm happy to be here. It's I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna do something. And 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 Dennis Anderson's favorite quote to go back to him for a second. My favorite quote of all time from him is, "Hey, I'm either gonna make history or be history." Yeah, and you know that's definitely the kind of mentality that Matt drives. I mean, especially when you see him come out for freestyle. And if you've been lucky enough to see Matt run in the last couple of years on a big, bigger floor. He's going to send it. You know, he's going to channel his inner Larry Enticer, and he's going to send it. Uh, you look back to East Rutherford this year, and his freestyle run was huge. I mean, going as big as everybody else in that field in terms of air, was throwing down some big wheelies. You know, he's a lot of fun to watch drive. He does some stuff that maybe some other drivers don't do. I mean, you're going to see some slap wheelies. You're going to see some just silly big air he might try and you know pull some little combos off here and there um so it'd be a lot of fun to continue to watch how matt progresses as a driver i mean for somebody that was quite literally just in the stands a few years ago to where he's at now he's doing a fine job in terms of driving um changing gears over to some of the other tours you know some of the other people that i'm kind of really excited to see in the coming year i'm really interested in seeing what colt stevens does with the all-new brodozer truck because that's kind of an a whole new platform you know we haven't seen diesel trucks other than dave radzieras is um you know going up against you know this caliber of talent uh you know and dave's you know proven that his truck works very well you know despite maybe some of the handicaps that come from diesels i'm really interested to see what you know that combination ends up being like because we've already seen that colt stevens has got great talent behind the wheel Absolutely. But there's going to be some differences in adapting to how, you know, this diesel motor works versus what everybody else is running with. Right, but with Colt's background, he's always in the shop. He's always working on trucks at the off-road place in Texas. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows the ins and outs and how to optimize something like that, it's him. I think it's a great fit. I think that Monster Jam has, uh, has done a great job putting a few new faces 
or relatively new faces as it goes into more things that fit their personality. You know, it started with, back in the day, George Bellhan bouncing around, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Blue Thunder. And then all of a sudden he gets escalated, Mohawk Warrior. Hey, we're on to something. We're going to make these trucks match the driver's personality instead of the other way around. And then all of a sudden you have this confidence about you. You have this thing that feels right. And it enables you to somehow become a better driver because you have that mental aspect down. You feel more comfortable. It's like a good pair of shoes. And all of a sudden you see Brianna has a, has a new identity. Uh, Colt, you know, he did his best with, with the Fox Sports 1 thing. But to be honest, how much are you going to do with that, you know? Uh, he did everything that he could. He did a great job. He represented the team well. But I, I think this is going to be more like a good pair of shoes for him. It's going to fit better. Yeah, and, you know, if they can find anybody that's really going to push the truck and find, uh, you know, find everything that they need to learn about it, it's going to be cold because that dude ran as hard as anybody all the first quarter long last year. You know, he he was very competitive on the FS1 West Tour, gave it his all every time he hit the track. I mean, freestyle-wise, he was one of the most exciting drivers to watch on that tour, and that's saying something with that lineup of drivers. Yeah. Um, and then looking down the list, you know, Rosalie Raymer really kind of, you know, turned some heads last year with some of her performances. You know, she's a lot of fun to watch in freestyle. She's somebody that's willing to push herself in that truck every time she hits the track. You're going to see some big air. You're going to see some wheelies. You may see a spectacular save or a crash or something or another. Hey, um, I'm going to you know, be honest with you, man. When we went over that World Finals lineup a little off camera, uh, I said, man, you know, I'm kind of surprised they put Rosalie in there. And I hadn't seen a lot of her stuff. Hadn't really been able to follow her much during that first quarter, but you know what? Her her and Colt both just kicked the door in, and I got a chance to see Rosalie run in Santa Clara. Even though they had a few issues with both trucks, uh, the Ramers, uh, Rosalie was great on the mic, really had the crowd behind her, and that's not easy to do when you're just doing an interview. She knows how to talk, and that, plus driving, she has both. Some people only have one, some people only have the other. I see big things for Rosalie Raymer in the future, and that's coming from a person who wasn't so sure about that World Finals bid last year. I think she earned it, and looking back on it, I see exactly what people see in her. Yeah, and you know, it's awesome to see somebody that is genuinely excited about being, you know, in an event and performing and you know competing. Um, you know, it's something that's a, a joy to see every time that you see it. Because sometimes, you know, some of us get complacent, if you will, um, and don't acknowledge how cool it is that, you know, we're being a part of this. You know, sometimes, you know, the grind of things wears on you. You don't quite have that spark, if you will. And sometimes it's hard to turn it on. But, you know, Rosalie's never had a problem with that. She always looks genuinely excited to be there. I mean, to see, you know, how she was after her freestyle in Vegas, you know, so amped up, so excited with how well everything went and goes jumps in the mud pile. I mean, even <laughs> after everything was over and said and done with, you know, 20 minutes after the show, I'm walking around the pits and, you know, there's Rosalie still, you know, grinning from ear to ear, covered in mud. Hadn't bothered to clean herself up just yet. <laughs> Absolutely covered in mud, still grinning from ear to ear. And, you know, I don't know her all that well yet. We haven't really gotten to do any shows together, but... You know, I made a point to go up and say, hey, you know, that was awesome. Like, I was yeah. grinning from ear to ear watching you run, and you're still grinning ear to ear. And she's, you know, genuinely appreciative. And, you know, that's uh, it's awesome to see. You know, that's, that is somebody, again, that grew up fully immersed in this. I mean, she was changing tires, you know, from as little as she could possibly handle it. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so she's ate, slept, and breathed monster trucks for a long time, and incredibly intelligent as well. Currently attending Georgia Tech, and you know, putting herself into some higher level education stuff that's well beyond my pay grade and in intelligence. Uh, so you know, that's <laughs> also very cool to see. And then, uh, you know, again, continuing on with some of the people that we're excited to see, you know, throughout the first quarter. Uh, Cody Saussier, that was a lot of fun to watch this past first quarter, you know, seeing his driving and his talent continue to progress. I'm really excited to see what Cody can do um, again, you know, having another stadium tour this year. He did so well last year and was giving somebody like Ryan Anderson a run for his money every weekend. Um, you know, that's somebody that is still going to continue to turn heads for a long time. And I think it's just only going to get better from here. He's so much fun to watch. And he is somebody that genuinely is competitive and wants to win no matter what. Every time he lines up on the line, he's a throwback guy. You know, he's an old, old school monster truck fan. He's a drag racing fan. You know, he's a motorsports fan through and through, and he wants to win. You know, the, the pedigree of that team is, it has, obviously gone from Damon to him and now to Steven Sims as well. Uh, they were in a kind of a weird spot this time last year, you know, with Damon Bradshaw riding off into the sunset, if you will. Uh, all of a sudden they had some fill-ins, you know, CBH was driving one week and it's LaDuke and it's this and it's that. Now all of a sudden they got a pretty stout little team here. And it's not little, it's big. It's, it's, it's three of the biggest names in the sport now. And driving hard and driving well and competing and and not afraid of a rivalry. Those are all things you could say about all three of those drivers. Uh, I think it's going to be really good to see uh, this coming year. Uh, They are the other green and black team, but man, those green and black teams are going to be fighting it out this year. I'm going to love seeing that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I feel like Cody has to be kind of considered one of the favorites for his tour championship. And I mean, and that's saying something going against some of the competition that he's got and the likes of Charlie Pawkin and Tom Menz and Chuck Werner. And, you know, it's going to be a battle there. But, you know, I feel like that's somebody that's up to the test. Uh, and continuing on, uh, Corey Rummel has been a lot of fun to watch over the last couple of years. He continues to get better. That's a good piece underneath of him with the Rage Truck. Uh, go back and watch his freestyle run from Oakland this year and tell me if that wasn't one of the most fun freestyles to watch all first quarter. That I felt mean, like a dude that was out. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I, that, that felt like a dude that was just out there having fun. Just And, and it, maybe he had a plan, but it felt like he was just rolling up to whatever he hit and just blasting it like a dude that was out there just mudding. And, and it was awesome. It was so much fun to watch that run. Yeah, and, you know, it was one of those runs that I, I feel like didn't quite get the justice that it deserved, especially with the scores. The scores were nowhere near what they should have been because that was a fantastic freestyle run, something that was up there with Ryan Anderson on that particular night and just hitting everything, just flat out, just going after it, hitting everything as hard as he could with some of the biggest error, if not the biggest error, anybody out there on that particular night. Uh, you know, it was really getting after it and killing it. Um, you know, I hope to continue to see that. Uh, come from Corey in the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I could go on uh, probably for for days and days about all this stuff. This is what happens when we don't do a podcast for a month. <laughs> lots of lots of stuff to talk about. I think we covered a lot of things. Maybe you guys will have to digest this in a couple of a uh, couple of sittings. Uh, but to those of you that are out there watching, man, uh, listening, we appreciate you and everything. 
Uh, got any more names for me? Any other people? Any other thoughts about any of the stuff that we've discussed? Uh, it's just going to continue to be, you know, the, uh, an interesting thing to follow. You know, there's a lot of uh, talent coming up through the ranks. Um, you know, a lot of different drivers that are going to be fun to watch throughout this year. There's a lot of talent spread across these tours. It's aside from, you know, the the I guess what we would call probably the main tour uh, for the Stadium Series. Uh, you know, a lot of the other talent is really spread out. There's not too many that are overly stacked um you know we're seeing some names and faces kind of coming into the stadium tours that maybe haven't been as prominent in recent years you know randy brown back on a stadium tour this year um you know and then you know you look at some of the arena series and uh there's going to be some talent you know continuing to cut their teeth down there you know some of the younger names yeah definitely i i uh one one came to mind and i was just typing to dustin like you better let me say tyler (laughs) <laughs> Tyler and Gravedigger, man, that's the number one guy for me. Out of all the stuff that we've been talking about as far as next year, he is the guy that I get on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, and I want to see what Tyler did. He has a lot of respect for those that came before him, and he's got a lot of ideas and innovation and tricks and passion for the sport that comes through. Every time I see him out on the track, he does something weird, crazy, and awesome. And I would pay to see Tyler Meninga drive. Yeah, you know, that's somebody that's going to be, you know, a lot of fun to watch over the course of the year. Uh, Colton Eigelberger going back into the arena tour as well. He did so great on the stadiums uh, last year. You kind of almost wanted to see him get bumped up into a stadium Max D ride. Um, He was just fantastic on the FS1 East tour last year. But, you know, he's going to continue to progress and continue to get better. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that is a, a, a massive talent in either setting that you throw him in. He's proven that he can wheel the crap out of a truck, whether it's on a stadium floor or an arena. Uh, he was bouncing back and forth like it was nothing all last year. Uh, so he's going to be a fun dude to continue to watch. Um, and then, you know, we'll have to see what else is happening in the world of monster trucks as well when it comes to terms with some of the independent tours. You know, the toughest monster truck tour is always a lot of fun to watch in terms of something different uh, on the arena end of things. You know, Brian Manson's crew build some crazy tracks of their own. They Absolutely. always have some really tough competition. You know, last year was a pretty awesome lineup for arena shows with with having both Bigfoot and Snakebite, as well as Quad Chaos and Dirt Crew and Heavy Hitter and Basher, you know, kind of be their staple trucks, if you will, for their tour. Uh, those are all really hard-running independent teams. You know, Larry Swim continues to improve as a driver. That that snaky character, Vinny Venom, uh, has really continued to, <laughs> to take some, uh, some notoriety and really kind of build up the legacy, if you will, of Snakebite again. And it's very cool to see Snakebite uh, remaining a prominent figure within the team, you know, something that kind of disappeared for a little while. Uh, is Vinny, Ven- is Vinny Venom Eric Meager's son? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of interesting things to happen there. I'm excited to see what will happen on the, uh, the those tours this year, and curious to see what will happen with you know the rest of the year that we have here. Because I mean, we're talking so much about 2018 already, but. Uh, We still have a few months to go. There's still a lot of shows to be run. I know I have a busy October coming up. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you're headed a bunch of different places, so as we wrap things up, where are you going to be headed next, and what are we going to be talking about that you've been doing the next time we hop on a podcast? Yeah, it's uh, going to be a busy month. Um, 
first things first, I'm heading out to Monster Truck Throwdown event in Benson, North Carolina at Galat Motorsports Park. Uh, Top-notch facility if you've never been to the place. Uh, fantastic drag strip, fantastic pulling track. We'll be over on the pulling track side of things. Uh, if you happen to live anywhere near the area and you're looking for some fine motorsports to check out, Glott Motorsports Park, top-notch facility, uh, great people. The event this weekend, uh, much of the same, top-notch and great people. Uh, you got the Sims camp with Stonecrusher and Hooked, Steve Sims, Brian Wright. The Witch and Bach camp coming all the way down from from Maine with Greg and uh, Kurt Phillips, who I didn't even get to bring up earlier, but Kurt was fantastic in New Jersey. It was my first time getting to see him. Uh, he kicked some tail uh, Sunday afternoon in freestyle, ran really hard. It's awesome to see Lumberjack really starting to come into its own. That truck was working great there. Um, the Overboard Camp, Deidre and Jamie are coming into town, and we have uh, the the Kohler Camp, if you will. We got uh, an Avenger and Rage pairing coming in. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun to watch those shows this coming weekend. Always good to be with the Monster Truck Throwdown crew. Always a fun time with them. Uh, looking forward to an awesome weekend there. I get an oddball weekend and heading out to the Monster Energy Cup uh, Supercross race in Vegas. Uh, be checking out some different things out there. And then I head to Houston, which is going to be an awesome show. It'll be cool for uh, everybody to get back to Houston and um, and bring some life back to that place with everything that's happened over the last couple of months with the, the hurricanes and everything like that. Um, looking forward to a good show there. Houston's always been good to us. Uh, and a great lineup of trucks and drivers in there for that one. Then I wrap up October with the monster mash at Piedmont dragway. Uh, some more fun with the throwdown crew there. They're putting on that event. Um, should be a fun time there as well, man. A lot of things going on. We've said a lot. We've done a lot, but you know, sometimes I just got to say it, man. It's been real and it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. Let's, let's get out of here, man. Uh, we got some more monster trucking to plan, some more shows to book, fantasy book in our head. Uh, I'm going to close it out again by saying thank you to Gary Porter and Dennis Anderson and their families, wishing all of them the best and uh, just really appreciate those that came before us and uh, did so much for us during our lives. Uh, they both had a profound effect on my life, much less uh, monster trucks. So thank you again, guys. If you're listening to this or know them, uh, definitely pay your respects where they're due.